Well, that song means it's time for our Journalism Corner this week. That's when we invite a journalist from somewhere in the world doing interesting work that we want to talk about tonight. Uh, Before I do that, just a quick note from Wayne in Raleigh, who is a loyal listener, about uh, the story brought you at 730, about the death of those two police officers shot in the line of duty um, in Innisfil, north of Toronto. Wayne says, sad and mad about shooting a policeman in the GTA. A thick process of engagement with domestic violence type needs to change. Cops have odds against them the minute they arrive. Absolutely. It's um, something that, you know, even properly trained, as as Dave Perry was pointing out, our guest, even those who are properly trained, when they arrive in a situation like that, for a little while there at least, it's very unpredictable. And even routine calls can turn very tragic. Thanks for the note, as always, Wayne, in Rally. Ukraine's allies on Wednesday, including Canada, announced delivery of new air defenses and committed more military aid to Kyiv after intense Russian missile strikes and in anticipation of the fighting through a harsh winter that awaits. More than 50 countries, including us, met in Brussels on the heels of those heavy retaliatory strikes on Ukraine this week, ordered by Russian President Vladimir Putin. Again, uh, they've launched more attacks. Britt Klinet reports from Kyiv. We are seeing more attacks on civilians by the Russians. You know, there was an attack on a market in the eastern town of Avdivka, killing at least seven. You know, the strike took place at a busy time, which is something we saw on Monday, too. These peak hour attacks for maximum impact, shelling in Nikopol, too, severely injuring several people, including a six-year-old girl. You know, two kindergartens, a school were among those attacks. Three people have been rescued alive from the rubble in Zaporizhia after dozens of missiles rained down on that city earlier this week. Um, All of this has happened as a increasingly desperate Russia is trying to respond to what has been a real momentum shift in this war since September. Ukraine has made significant gains. Uh, in the east and in the south. But at least 26 people have been killed since Monday in those missile attacks right across the country. Russia, it seems, back to the old playbook that they often use. If they can't defeat uh, a military with their own military, they simply attack defenseless civilians uh, with from the skies, as they've done in other parts, uh, other, part, other wars and other places. Um, we often, though, talk about the military gains and losses, the diplomatic side of the war. My next guest, though, has spent nearly eight months trying to share those personal stories of resilience and loss from Ukraine, strength and Soro. He's now based in Detroit, but has spent decades as a reporter in Ukraine before and joined the military, serving in the east of the country back in 2014. Viktor Kovalenko now hosts a podcast called Ukraine Decoded, maintains close contact with soldiers on the front lines back in Ukraine, as well as others across government, uh, academia, and beyond. And on the segment we devote to speaking to journalists doing interesting work, Viktor Kovalenko is now going to tell us about what it's like to cover a war back at home while abroad and the message that he's trying to deliver to all those who may not be nearly as familiar with Ukraine and this conflict as he is. Uh, Viktor Kovalenko, thank you for your time tonight. Oh, thank you, Ben, for inviting me. Uh, Viktor, I know it's probably been tough, given your background, to be outside of Ukraine right now, trying to make sense of what's happening in Ukraine. Uh, but since the beginning, you've, you've felt the need to share information, to find videos online, to try to make sense of the war, not just for yourself, I imagine, but for a broader international audience. What made you decide to do that? 
this is my genuine interest because I love Ukraine. It's my homeland. I was born there and uh, lived all my life. So when the war started in February, it was a natural desire to start helping Ukraine with what and with what I can do as a journalist with information, with debunking um, Russian propaganda, was explaining context and background for the Western audience, for English-speaking audience around the world. And I used, of course, social media, the most popular informational tool like Twitter. So I started from there. And, um, and then I um, was uh, invited to make comments for media so journalists express their interests. So it grew into some kind of my volunteer project with podcast, with interviews for media, with Twitter um, feed, and I think it's it's helping because uh, thousands of people come back to me um, with um, their gratitude because uh, not everyone b before February uh, knew about Ukraine uh, many things. Uh, for many people, Ukraine was like some faraway land they didn't actually know about. You've uh, you worked very hard to do this. I mean, I know we do interviews with people in Ukraine on this show. The time difference between North America and Eastern Europe is tough. Um, I know you spend long nights searching through videos, looking for good material that you think will explain a story. What sort of information and images do you look for? What do you think is important to show an outside audience right now? I was looking for videos, especially that can create a resonance, create a reaction from uh, people, uh, like uh, human videos, like um, tanks, uh, and, uh, Russian tanks, they stopped on the middle of the road and the Ukrainian driver stopped by and asked them, can he pull them uh, back to Russia? So this is a, like a human videos and you can translate them and explain the situation. So uh western audience will understand what's going on so i'm not focused i'm not focusing on uh, videos of combat because everyone can post them and you don't need to explain them you don't need to translate but i'm interested in uh, explaining um dialogues and human emotions like recent videos a couple of days ago from uh kharkiv province where uh, liberated uh, locals, they were greeting uh, Ukrainian troops with tears and emotions. That's what uh, should be uh, translated and explained for the audience. Yeah, because I guess sometimes what's forgotten in all this is the human side of this. We often talk about missiles and, you know, air defenses and uh, the latest military figures and, you know, what's going on in the Kremlin or what's going on in Kiev with, the, with, with President Zelensky. Sometimes we forget to talk about the ongoing impact this is having on everyday Ukrainians, and specifically those in areas that have been liberated or those under under still under Russian control. Yes, you're right, and especially like uh, yesterday, uh, after that missile attack on Kiev, a young uh, physician from the Children's Hospital, she was killed instantly in in by this missile, and her five years old son became an orphan. So that's a tragedy, and uh, the world should see this. Uh, what Russia causes, what this war, uh, what this war is about. So this war is not about conquering uh, Ukrainian land. This is, uh, as I see, it's turning into the punishments and into the genocide. So one nation, Russian nation, is trying to create genocide over another nation, over neighboring nation that tries to to be free tries to to live free 
you you know this. I mean, you worked as a journalist for decades in in Ukraine. You then went to Eastern Ukraine. I was in Eastern Ukraine at the same time as you were in 2014 and 2015. Um, you know what 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 should the West know about this? I mean, I think we've talked about it a lot, but you know, is is the military has the capabilities of the Ukrainian military surprised even you? Yes, it surprised me uh, in February and April when. Uh, uh, I remember uh, when I was in the military, enlisted to the military uh, seven years ago, uh, unfortunately, it was weak. Ukrainian military was weak and the Russian military was weak as well. So it was a strange situation when we have to fight each other and uh, uh, not very professionally. But I had to to defend my uh, former homeland that time. And uh, since that time, in seven years, uh, that pause uh, after the Minsk agreements allowed Ukraine to rebuild the military as much as possible. And right now, uh, they are professional. They um, they plan professionally their operations. They uh, care about uh, soldiers' lives. They uh, use the weaponry very masterfully, not just spend uh, all, all over the place those ammunition. So I'm I'm proud and glad to see that my uh, former comrades, my colleagues, they are uh, fighting Russians even better than uh, we might expect. And I think that the West and military analysts here in the West, they are surprised as well. It's been uh, many months now. I know you still are in contact with people who are fighting. What is the morale like? It has been, it continues to be a long and difficult fight for the Ukrainian side as well. What is morale like on the front lines? No, one sign of uh, high morale is that all my friends, they are joking with me when I try to ask them about what's going on there. So uh, this is this is good that they have a humorous uh, mood and they have sarcasm and they have irony regarding the Russian invaders. So this uh, signifies that their morale is high. So and they are uh, preparing to to liberate the, um, the entire territory. And this is uh, gives me. Um, much hope. So that's my personal opinion. And uh, I think that we should not underestimate Ukrainian um, ability to uh, to fight because this is about their land. And this, you know, um, aggression from Russia is not, a, it didn't start like seven years ago. It's, it's uh, for centuries, Moscow is trying to subjugate uh, nations around uh, Russia, including Ukraine. So this is like a long story, and Ukrainians are mentally prepared to con- uh, to defend their land. And we should not underestimate their will and their spirit to fight and liberate their uh, territory. Uh, Victor, when you look at what's going on now, we saw the, the escalation again. We saw the attack on the Karch Bridge in um, in the Karch Bridge in Crimea. It feels like there's been a shift in the momentum in this fight from a bit of a stalemate over the summer to something different. Where do you think it's headed? Yes, we see the, the major shift since the beginning of September when Ukraine started uh, counteroffensives in the north uh, east in Kharkiv province and on the south in Kherson. Because uh, Ukrainians, they were accumulating uh, manpower and uh, Western weapons to launch this offensive. After six months of um, of holding the line, 
and exhausting uh, Russian military, that was a great momentum for them to strike back. And I'm, uh, I expect that Ukrainians will continue to liberate their territories. First of all, their priority, I think, it's to liberate everything uh, with, that was occupied before, um, after, after February 24th. So that's, uh, that's their major goal. The other uh, priority is to deoccupy other territories that Russia um, uh, that Russia uh, grabbed after 2014. Right. That will be m- much more difficult because you know those territories are fortified, and uh, it will be much more difficult to um, to organize uh, offensive over there. So. Right. I, I, so, I imagine it'll be tough for for Donetsk. It'll be tough for for Luhansk and and, and well, Crimea specifically as well, because uh, you know there are challenges there. Where do you, do you see a time when Ukraine would be ready to try to put an end to this if they if territory was taken back that had been taken after February twenty um, fourth, and if it was all pushed back to where it had began in the twenty fourth, would that be enough for Ukraine? Do you think? I think it's enough, and the president of Ukraine, Zelensky, said that liberation of all territory is enough. Uh, that's uh, Ukraine is not going to attack Russia on the Russian land and conquer Moscow and occupy Moscow. No, yeah. we are talking about just uh, liberating. I, I, yeah, I meant more Crimea, and I meant Donetsk, and, and the, area, the areas that have been under Russian control now for nearly a decade. Why not? Ukraine. This is Ukraine land, and Ukraine is is, is going to liberate Crimea and Donetsk. Despite uh, that, Russia claims that this is Russia. This is Russian land. No, it's not. Uh, According to international law, this is the Ukrainian land. When you look at um, what you know, leaders in Western capitals may have woken up to for a very long time. I remember being there in 2014. Uh, Even after Crimea, you know, people continue to do business in Russia. People continue to want to deal. Think that perhaps Vladimir Putin was someone they could do business with. They could negotiate with. Do you think um, since February 24th that a lot has changed in the way that, or what has changed in the way that the West views Putin and Russia? We live in a cynical world, you know, and businesses, they don't care um, sometimes about moral principles. They care about money and profits. This is the aspect we should uh, we should understand. And we, but we need to continue our pressure as journalists, as 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 public uh, on uh, governments and on business circles to explain them that uh, every dollar earned in Russia converts into more rockets uh, that may be uh, falling on heads of innocent people in Ukraine and all over the place. So that's our role, and we need to continue this pressure. One of the concerns, I think, just having been again back in in, in Donbass in 2014, and then watching it now, is that this never ends. That 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 Ukraine will always be under threat from Russia. Um, do you think there is a way for Russia's See, I, threat to end? I think uh, this time Ukrainians are determined to uh, defeat Russia once and forever. And there is a chance that West can help with this. And I will be more optimistic than pessimistic uh, regarding this. So uh, this time, and President Zelensky, as I understand, he uh, he also thinks the same way, that um, the war should end with the defeat of Russia. What What it will be and how this defeat will look like, I don't know, but... 
the ultimate maximum goal is to defeat Russia. So Russia will not be able to cause harm for the world anymore. So that's that's the uh, major objective uh, Ukraine and and the West should be um, should be considering. Yeah, I, I guess right now in the short term, it continues to be a question of air power. Uh, or at least air defenses in Ukraine is what is really needed at this point? Yes, because according to the latest uh, missile attacks on Ukraine, Ukraine needs this umbrella, this uh, this uh, roof uh, over its land uh, to protect itself from the from those uh, missiles uh, that Russia is using. So, Because Russia is not uh, able to defeat Ukrainian military on the battlefield, so they switched to another form of terror, that's the missile strikes and airstrikes. So Ukraine needs uh, this thick and and developed umbrella was of air defense. So no missile can get into uh, Ukrainian airspace. Uh, there was a lot of talk early in the war that that eventually the eyes of you know the eyes of the West you know, allies would start to wander. That um, people would stop paying as close attention to Ukraine as they had at the beginning. Have you seen that at all? Are you confident that that Ukraine's allies will continue to stand by Ukraine, even if we see, say, a change in a change in leadership where you are, uh, and so forth? Yes, I'm. I'm confident because you know everyone sees those atrocities and mass graves that Ukraine discovers on the occupied t- territories after uh, Russian troops. Those mass murders they cannot just be forgotten. So. Western governments cannot just say, oh, okay, tomorrow we will stop helping Ukraine because we are tired. No, this this, this should be uh, the constant help and even increasing help because we need to stop Russia and Russian military from committing those war crimes. And if we will not do it, Russia tomorrow will recharge and will attack again. And there is no guarantee that it will continue attacking only Ukraine. It will may may try to attack other countries. So we need to solve the issue right now, together, uh, wisely, and uh, was uh, was a was a like I know. Sorry for for my yeah. English. With determination, with determination. Victor Kovalenko, thank you so much. Oh, you're welcome. Thank you.